0: So I want you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 19. Like Tiffany said, we are kicking off a brand new series, uh, Meals with Jesus. And I, 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 I don't know, this has been one of those interesting things. I've been reading through the Gospels and there, there's something that has, I've never noticed before. And that is how often Jesus tossed some incredible truths over a meal. And I don't know how I missed this before because I like to eat, man. I mean, come on. I mean, whether it's going to, you know, Thailand Express, having somebody over at my house, going over to Satisfy. I mean, come on. I mean, I like, I am all into, I'm all into, you know, I, like, I like good food. And I, to me, though, I would much rather eat with people. There's just something that happens. And uh, in fact, uh, Lori and I had the opportunity to to get together with with some friends, go out to eat. In which, just with her schedule as a teacher, and then my schedule, it's just impossible. And I would just say this: some of you guys so graciously invited us over to your place. I promise you, we're not dodging you. It's like I'm just trying to find an uh, an open evening. And so, uh, so we actually are starting this thing. You'll hear more about this in the weeks to come. Something that we call uh, dinner, uh, dinner with the pastors, just like smaller groups, where we can get together and hang out. But. Um, But, you know, all that to be said, I've been reading through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and I have noticed how many times Jesus teaches some incredible truth and we learn something powerful over a meal. And so, for the next few weeks, we're going to be diving in, and we're going to begin here in Luke chapter 19. And so, Luke chapter 19, just to give you a little context here as we dive in, um, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. And in, in a little over a week, he's he's going to be hanging on a cross, dying for your sins, my sins. It's the perfect sacrifice. This is getting ready to go down. And and so as as he's making his way, as he's making his way uh, to Jerusalem, he has to go through Jericho. You have to go through Jericho to get up to Jerusalem. And so what, the, the, the chapter preceding this, as he's coming into town, he encounters a, a guy by the name of Bartimaeus. He's a blind guy who, who is yelling, trying to get Jesus' attention. They, he's, hurt, he's hearing the commotion. A lot of people are coming by. There's a lot of people following Jesus, and he's trying to get his attention, and, and he's, he's calling out and, and to the point where he apparently is really loud, and they don't want Jesus to be disturbed, and so people are telling him to shut up, and he won't shut up. He just keeps talking, and long story short, at the end of chapter 18, we see Jesus doing this incredible miracle, healing him, and, and the blind guy, in an instant, goes from being blind to seeing Now, if that would happen to you, like if you are blind, you encounter, you have this encounter with Christ, he heals you just like that. I don't know if, I don't think I can just sit there like, oh, that's cool. Uh huh. So that's what people look like. No, like, you're gonna be like, Are you kidding me right now? And and this is Bartimaeus. I mean, he jumps his feet. In fact, it says the end of of chapter 18, as they go, you know, this happened outside Jericho. As they go into Jericho, he is following along with this big crowd of people with Jesus. And he is loudly praising God loudly, giving God praise for what just took place. And, and so you got you to see, as, as all of this is set up, when we get into Luke chapter 19, there is this massive commotion as Jesus is headed through Jericho. So we pick up a reading here in verse one. He, talking about Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. Verse two, we're introduced to another guy. And behold, there, is this, uh, there was a man named Zacchaeus and, you know, if you're ever sitting on a plane with somebody, you introduce yourself, one of the first questions you ask is, so, what do you do? Well, we're told right here what Zacchaeus does. Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector, and by the way, he was rich. So let me pause real quick. Like, if you're new to Grace, it's great to have you here, but if you, if you keep coming back, You'll find out. I'm kind of a geek. I like knowing the background stuff. I like to know some of the context. So I I just want to make sure that we grasp what's getting ready to to happen here. Okay? when we read that Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector, was rich, that this takes place in Jericho, you know, let let, let me, I, I want us to be able to see this so we can put ourselves in the story. So the the city of Jericho, I told you, it's it's about 17 miles from Jerusalem. It's at 800 uh, foot above sea level. Jerusalem is on a hill. It's like 2,500 feet above sea level. So I mean, to get from Jericho there, you got to do some climbing. So they they don't have, you know, you don't have a nice little side-by-side to get up the hill. No, you're walking. And this isn't a trip for sissies. But, 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 but Jericho is, is a beautiful, maybe one of the most beautiful cities here in Judea. In fact, at this time, it was, it was given the name Little Eden or, or Little Paradise. And, and, they, and what we understand because of the springs that are there in the, that were there in the area at the time, it watered this. It was one of the most fertile parts of the Judean Valley. And so you could grow all kinds of things there. It was a beautiful, beautiful place. The climate was perfect. Like like, probably the closest thing I could think of to compare it to is San Diego. Like you go to San Diego, it seems like it's like 72 degrees all the time. In fact, they, uh, they, they say that in, in, uh, in Jesus' time, that even in the winter, people would still only wear uh, just this, the, the light linen uh, garments just because it was still warm. It was just like this banana, this banana thing that just kept warm there in that area. And, and so, because of its beauty, because of everything, uh, Herod had come there. He built a theater, an amphitheater. Um, Archelaus had come in there and built a magnificent palace. I mean, a beautiful, beautiful palace. And and he had this beautiful garden. In fact, he he grew roses and, and the, he grew them. And, and I mean, it was it was. Amazing. They said you could actually coming into town, you could smell the roses. Just I mean, it, just it, the the city had a smell. Kind of like Nampa, but Nampa's different. (laughs) And and so, so it's just a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful place. But it's not that it's just a beautiful place. It's the crossroads. Like, Anybody that's, that's going to Jerusalem has to go through Jericho. Anybody coming from the east, you got to ford the Jericho River, I'm sorry, the Jordan River, and, and you, you came to Jerusalem through Jericho. Everybody coming from the north had to go through Jericho. Anybody on, on their way uh, south uh, to Egypt had to go through Jericho. Everybody from Egypt north to Syria to Damascus had to go through Jericho. A lot of traffic came through there. And so the Romans were smart, okay? They had this this incredible. I say incredible. Uh, it was a very efficient taxing system. Like if you think that we've got tax issues, which we do, by the way, anybody get their assessment on their house? Uh huh. Uh huh. Anyway, that's a whole nother ball game. But uh, but but no. The, you know the Romans. They uh, you know, they had this this taxation system, and and so what they would do whenever whenever there was a place where a lot of people are on the move, the Romans would set up these custom houses where people coming through would have to pay tax. So they had three three different uh, custom houses. Uh, There was one in Capernaum, one in, uh, uh, what was it? Caesarea. Yeah, Caesarea. And then the third one was here in Jericho. And literally, I mean, they taxed anything that moves. I mean, they taxed everything. Like if, if, if you had a, if you brought a cart into town, you paid a tax on the cart. In fact, they, they taxed every single wheel on the cart. So if you're an 18 wheeler going through Jericho, man, watch out. There were taxes on the animal that pulled your cart. There were taxes on the goods you carried. There were taxes on the goods in your hand, the goods on your back. There was a personal tax. They had a poll tax just if you were living and breathing and showed up. There was a tax for everything. And so, what the Romans would do though to collect these taxes, they, w- they had a franchise model before McDonald's ever came around. They, they would franchise out these tax collection, the right to collect taxes to certain Jews. And so, so it's very similar. Like, how many of you've ever been to New York City? Anybody ever been to New York City? Okay, you've seen the, the the yellow taxi cabs everywhere. Well, in New York City, they have this medallion system for the the taxi cabs, and they they want to regulate and limit how many taxi cabs there are. And so, like, they don't they don't. Offer very many new of these medallions they 're like thirteen thousand five hundred something like that, and, and so if you have a medallion, it is worth a lot of money. You can make a lot of money because there 're in New York City, you have the right, not everybody has this right well here 's the deal: these jews that that would collect taxes made a lot of money now here 's how they would do it. The Romans just wanted their cut of things; they did not care what The Jews who had these tax franchises charged on top of that. You you can keep whatever the difference is. We just want our cut. And so as you can imagine, extortion, uh, bribery, there was a lot of of money abuse that took place here. And so as you can imagine, um, the Jewish tax collectors, not real popular people, because they were collecting taxes from their, families and other countrymen to support an occupying empire that everybody hated. And so I just, I got to give you just a little context here. If you were a tax collector, you weren't allowed to come to the temple. You weren't allowed to testify in a court of law. You were considered to be unclean because so many of them actually were. But it's interesting because here in Luke 19, this is the sixth, encounter that we read of just in the gospel of Luke that, that Jesus has with a tax collector. And, and, and you got to understand, tax collectors, everybody stays away from them. This is the sixth time, in fact, it's one of the most common uh, people that we see him interacting with in scripture. He, this is the sixth encounter. Every single one of the encounters is a positive encounter, which tells us something about Jesus. Now, here's the deal. Zacchaeus, he's a chief tax collector. And so he, there, there, there would have only been a few of them in all of, in, in all of Judea. And so he had made a lot of money, probably, based on what we're going to read, much of it off of the backs of the people that were his neighbors. Okay, so, so I've I, I got to set this up. What, what, who we're dealing with here? So we've got Zacchaeus. We get to, we get to verse 3. Zacchaeus was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. And so it says he's small in stature, like uh, Mediterranean back then, they say the average height was about five foot two. He probably was under five foot. He's probably four foot something or other. He's small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him for he was about to pass that way. Anybody ever sing that song in, in, in Sunday school? You remember Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man. I, I'm telling you, it's right here. You can tip me later for my great singing. I don't know why they won't let me on worship team, but verse five. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. When everybody else had been praising God for what they've seen, everybody making the commotion, when they saw it, they all grumbled. He's gone in to be the guest of a man who's a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood, and we don't know the timing of this, but when this happened, if it was after, if it was right there, whatever, it says Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. What I'm getting ready to read here today is one of the most glorious truths in all of Scripture. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house, since he also is the son of Abraham. What he was saying is, you guys have cut him off. No, I see him as one of us. I see him as a son of Abraham. But then he, he gives us his mission. Jesus said, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. And I want, to talk, I want to talk a little bit about this. Because first of all, we got to understand, Jesus didn't show up for just the respectable. Jesus didn't show up for the people that know everything. They have the law memorized. they got the Bible memorized. Well, their Bible at that time would have been the Old Testament. They've got all that memorized. He didn't show up for everybody had their whole act together. No, no, no. Jesus said the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And church, if we're called to be like Jesus, we have to grasp this concept. But I also want to say this. Maybe there's somebody that's here. I don't know. Man, on any given Sunday, we have so many people that come in here. Maybe you have been curious about Jesus. You've been around the things of Jesus, but for for some reason, you've... You just haven't come to Jesus. You, you, haven't, you haven't experienced salvation. You, you don't even know what that looks like. I, man, I, w- I want to first start off. This is what I call a simple gospel message. I just felt like God wanted me to share this. So man, if this is you, understand that God wanted you to, to hear this. I, th- this is for you. Because there's two things I want to talk about this morning, two questions I want to respond to. First question, how do I get to Jesus? And the second question, how do I become like Jesus? How do I get to Jesus? How do I become like Jesus? And so the first, the, the, the first, the first question, how do I get to Jesus? This is for somebody that's, that you've been around, you've been around, but you, you haven't, man, you're still trying to figure this out. And maybe there's a, a variety of reasons why you're not there. But there's something that I want us to grasp. Zacchaeus came to Jesus, and, and, and here's the thing, I, he, I'll guarantee you, Zacchaeus had zero expectation of Jesus recognizing him. Literally, he just wanted to, to see what the what this thing was all about. Literally, he just showed up. But, but when he showed up, he, he couldn't see. And so so this guy, okay, this is a formal, uh, th- this is a formal culture. I mean, we're more informal here. But but this guy, he he's a chief tax collector. He's rich. He climbs into a tree. You're like, dude, I mean, that just doesn't happen much. And maybe you're like, well, we, you've been around the church, you've sung that. I'm like, well, yeah, of course, that's how the song goes. He climbed into a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Yeah, you know. You know. No, but okay, just think of it this way. Let's just say that, you know, we have the, uh, the parade here uh, before Memorial, Memorial Day here in Nampa. Let's say everybody, we've gone downtown where we're standing there and you're standing there and, and you see um, our, our good mayor, Mayor Debbie Kling, that's standing there. I love Debbie. She is a good friend. I love, I love her. And let's just say you, you see Debbie and uh, you're like, oh, hey, the mayor's come here. That's, that's pretty cool. Then all of a sudden you see her climbing into a tree because she can't see well. I'll guarantee you that you're like, did you just, Debbie's climbed into a tree? Our mare just climbed a tree. It would be shocking because mares don't climb into trees. Listen, Debbie's a classy lady. I, yeah, I'd be surprised. I'm, I'll be talking about that. And like Debbie, if you're watching right now, I apologize for using you as an illustration. But here's the thing, Zacchaeus, that's, that's just kind of a, an odd thing. He, he climbs a tree. Here, here's, here's the thing to get to Jesus, you've got to do something. You have to leave your dignity behind. Now, when I say leave your dignity behind, I, I, I just, I, what I'm saying is, you know, that you have to just be a buffoon uh, or anything like that. No, I'm saying, I'm saying, you can't worry about what is keeping you from Jesus because what I found is one of the biggest barriers that keeps us from Jesus is, is this idea of pride. Like this, this whole thing of, of admitting that, that I need something or, or no, that's, that's beneath me. No, Jesus one time, he took a, a child in his lap and, and he set the child down and he said, unless you become like a child, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. What he's saying is, unless you're as humble as a, as a child, unless you know you need a savior, unless you're like a little child, you, you can't come in. Man, I, I love, like a, a, after service, if you go, if you see me in the back, I, I have so many kids that love to come up and give me high five. Like, I love it. I love giving kids high fives. And by the way, I'm just going to tell you, let me just get this out of the way. If you're talking to me out in the corridor and a, co- a kid comes up to give me a high five, just understand that I'm going to pause and say, hey, excuse me real quick. I'm going to give the kid a high five. Like the kids matter. And, and the, the, the thing, and you're like, well, they should, they should be more respectful adults. Listen, we get it. They don't get it. Kids, kids are motivated by curiosity more than they are by dignity. And what Jesus is saying is, I want you to come to me as a child. Leave your dignity behind. You, if you're gonna come to me, just come. And, and what we know is that, that part of the story, Zacchaeus, he left his dignity behind so he could see Jesus, but there was there was something else that, that jumped out to me that I, th- I think that was interesting. He had to get past the crowd. You see, there's a lot of times that we don't come to Jesus, we, we are curious about Jesus, but it's the crowd of people around Jesus that keep us from getting to Jesus. And, and I'm not, listen, full disclosure, like I, I'm one of those kids, I was, I was raised in a church. I was raised, I, I'm, I'm thankful for the fact that I had parents that, that took me to church whether I wanted to go or not. I showed up and you showed up every time the doors were open. You showed up early. Uh, you know, that, that's just that's how, it, and I'm thankful. And you know, across the years, man, I've been blessed to see that there are a lot of saints, people that have, have impacted me deeply as a child, as a teenager, as a young adult. And, and now even today, even here at this church, I'm, I'm so blessed to see people who, who don't just take on the name of Christ. Man, they're, they're living this life and they're not perfect, but, but they live humbly. They follow Jesus and I'm thankful for that. Man, but for every saint following Jesus, you're going to find a couple that they, they take on the name, but they don't look anything like him. In fact, sometimes they're the meanest people in the world. You, hey, trust me. I've, I've, been, I've been part of like, like conventions that are, they, they show up to uh, cities and whatever, Christian conventions. And I've heard from the people that wait tables, they're the meanest people. They never tip. They're jerks. I'm going to tell you right now, this has nothing to do with my message. I'm going freelance. (laughs) Listen, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you can't be an example for Christ in a restaurant, dude, you you, you need to spend some time with Jesus. You need to spend some time with Jesus. Don't you ever go into a restaurant wearing Grace Bible Church apparel and not tip or be a moron. Dude, I will track you down. I will track you down. Like, I mean, dude, if you want to, wear CFC stuff. I'm fine with that. Just do uh, no. <laughs> Sorry, Ma. Sorry. Sorry, Monty, Jordan. <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. Listen, a lot of times we don't come to Jesus because the people that are around Jesus are, more, are, are jerks. Listen to me. Just because the person has taken on the name of Jesus doesn't mean the person is necessarily following Jesus. Jesus said that many are going to come to me in that day and they're going to say, Lord, Lord, I'm going to say, never knew you. And they're like, what? Man, I did all these great things. I prophesied in your name. I did great works in your name. It's like, I never knew you. There's a difference between a profession of faith and possession of faith. There's a difference between taking on the name of Jesus and actually following Jesus. And I would just pause here and, and, and say that, that, that what, what we need many times, church, even those of us who have been saved, man, we, we, we need that, what we're just saying, we need to ask the Holy Spirit to continue to convict us and challenge us and change us because left to, man, we default to just being jerks. But I would say this, if, if you're a seeker, man, and, and maybe maybe you, well, you just look around, it's like, man, if, if this is all that following Jesus, that gets you, I don't want to have anything to do with that. No, Zacchaeus had to get past the crowd to get to Jesus, but it didn't stop there. It didn't stop there. This very religious crowd that, that is so interesting probably wouldn't have noticed Zacchaeus at all. Nobody would have acknowledged except maybe it's weird that a guy of his stature's in a tree. like, oh, huh, interesting. That this, this religious crowd, they were so focused on, on singing their songs and, and praising God. They, they didn't even notice this guy, but Jesus did. And Jesus stopped and he called, I think it's very interesting, he called Zacchaeus by name. He said, Zacchaeus, can you imagine? I bet, I bet the dude almost fell out of the tree. Like, ooh, hold on. He knows me. It's not just that he knew him. He said, "Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for I must stay at your house today." And when we when we when we read this, when we read this, what, what you have what you got to know is man, all of those words have everything to do with hospitality. And because again, the religious people are like, "No, you're an outsider. You cut cut you off. You can't come to the temple. Stay away." Stay away. That's why there's a difference between cold religion that is not, is not warmed by the truth of the gospel and the gospel itself. Religion says, man, if you clean yourself up good enough, if you're good enough, then you can come in. Whereas the gospel says this Jesus Christ came to seek and to save the lost. I got one clap, man. That's good. Everybody should be clapping there. No, but Zacchaeus had a decision to make, and listen to me, you can, you can get around Jesus, you can see Jesus, you can get around Jesus, you can get even past the crowd, but at some point, when we answer this question, how to get to Jesus? You have to accept Christ's invitation. Because Jesus gave the invitation and when he, those words, stay, received, guest, that all, what he's saying is, it all means room and board. What, what did Jesus say? saying, he's like, Zacchaeus, I want you to come down because I'm gonna eat at your table and I'm gonna sleep under your roof. And Zacchaeus came down to respond to his invitation, but I want you to understand the order of grace here. Jesus said, I'm coming into you before Zacchaeus said what he was gonna do. Jesus said, I'm coming to you. I'm, I, I'm, I'm coming to stay with you. Jesus is the one who initiated the invitation. He didn't say, well, now, if, you, if you'll clean your life up, man, I want you to stop cheating. If you'll do all of these things, then I'll come to live with you. No, he says, I'm coming to live with you. Then Zacchaeus said, good, then I'll stop cheating. What's going on here? Well, here, here's what I love. He's just going on. Jesus is saying, in spite of your sin, I want to be with you. In spite of your record, I'm, I'm coming in with you. In spite of who you are, I'm going to eat with you. By the way, can I just share something that's really cool I came across in my research? I love church history. There's a lot of things that we've missed because we don't study church history. A guy by the name of Clement of Alexandria, just uh, he. he if you do anything, it's church history. He's a he's, lot that he's that he's passed on, but but he claims that Zacchaeus later became, after his conversion, later became the pastor of a church in in Caesarea here's the cool part. After after Zacchaeus passed away and was no longer the pastor, the guy who followed him there was a guy by the name of Cornelius who we read about in Acts chapter 10. He is the first Gentile uh, and and the people that that received the Holy Spirit. Two outsiders became pastors. That's the church I want to go to. That's what I'm talking about. Because this is what Jesus is about. He's, He's about taking outsiders and making them insiders. Jesus is about with his grace transforming people. And this change that we see in Zacchaeus where he's like, oh man, no, here's, here's what I'm gonna do. It's the result of his experiencing Christ's love and grace. And listen to me, if you've been around the things of God, but man, you're scared to make that full commitment, listen to me, if grace sounds too good to be true, it is. Grace will transform a person undeserved grace. This grace it's not, it has nothing to do with who you were, what you've done, but God forgiving you in spite of thats it, it'll transform a person. But here's the thing, we have to respond to Christ's gracious invitation. My question is this, has Christ been dealing with you? Like there's this curiosity. I want to be around him. I want to get close to him, but you, you've got close, but then you're like, ah, oh, man, this, this is too good to be true. If he's inviting you down, come down. He wants to come in. He wants to change your life, and he will. You know, I've had some great invitations across the years, and every time I get an invitation that I feel is just beyond me, I'm like, I'm just blown away. I mean, I, I still remember when I was, you know, getting the invitation to, to take a job for the college I'd attended to be director of, of recruitment, and I remember being blown away, like, man, I why are they asking me to do this? I don't think I, I don't know enough, and, but I was honored. I remember I was asked to join the leadership team of a, of a youth conference and be part of this, and, and I'd always just involved, I loved being a participant, and now I get to be part of, of, of this. I, I remember being, being just blown away, honored, coming here as pastor. That it was, I mean, scary, but it was an honor at the same time. When, when Lori asked me to marry her, I mean, it was just a gracious invitation. <laughs> I'm going to pay for that one. But, uh, <laughs> but I don't think there's any sweeter invitation than Jesus showing up at the tree and saying, I want you. I want you. And I, I, I want to go out on a limb here. No pun intended. I just thought I didn't even mean to say that. <laughs> but I, I do want to say this. If you are seeking Jesus and you you genuinely want to find Jesus, I promise you'll find him. Because it's so interesting that while we think the seeking begins with us, it doesn't. Jesus, all along, has been seeking you. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And it lost does not mean that your life's going down the toilet. It might, but it doesn't have to mean that. It just means that you don't know where to begin. You don't know where to go, where to start. It's just this admission that I need you. Jesus came, first of all, to seek. He initiates the invitation. But then there's this beautiful promise. He comes to save the lost. He saves you from where you are. He 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 pulls you out. There there is a change. That's an awesome promise. I would just say this, man. At the the end of service, I'm going to hang out here in the front. Um, I don't have all, all the answers to probably every question you have. But I would say this. If you've just been kicking the tires on this, maybe you've been showing up to make mama happy or to make your spouse happy or whatever, listen, I I just want you to know there's a reason you're here and there's a reason you're hearing this message. And I don't wanna wanna get weird and overstate things, but I believe that. And I'd love to have the opportunity to point you to Jesus this morning. What I love is that Jesus, when he gave the invitation, Zacchaeus responded. And Zacchaeus didn't give Jesus part of him, he gave all all of him. All of him. All of him. He didn't, he didn't hold out in, in any way. He's like, man, he's like, I'm going to make restitution for all that. Restitution is nothing more than just making your wrongs right. It's like, man, I, I care enough that, that, man, I don't want to be that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go make these things right. I, I, I'm turning. There's, there's a difference. There's a repentance. I'm turning from, from this. But not only that, I'm going to go to the people I've wronged. I'm going to make things right. And then, then Jesus said, ah, this is it. Today, salvation has come to this house. The son of man came to seek and save the lost. This is why I showed up and he's still showing up. This is how you get to Jesus. Leave your dignity behind, get past the crowds, and accept Christ's invitation. Like some of you type A personalities are looking at your sermon guide and you're like, there is no way we're getting through the rest of this. Watch me. <laughs> the second question How do I get to Jesus? Second question is this. How do we become like Jesus? In church, this is for us. And I'm going to do a little vision casting. God's called us to be a church, not just a church in our city, a church for our city. He's called us to love our city. And what what that means is not just to love in a general way. It's just to love in a very specific way. You know what? Can I tell you that you, you know how you can start? You can start by being a pastor of your pew. Be... In, in every row, we, like people, li- you guys show up and sit at the same place every time. Like, look, like, people, I, I zip codes. We got zip codes all through here. Like you, I love it. And, and like when you change on me, it stresses me. I'm like, <laughs> I look like Big Bird. I, I'm just telling you, the, there's something the, there, there's something cool because we sit in the same place. You just start off by getting to know the the people in 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 your row. Start by getting to know people in your Neighborhood. In fact, I've got a challenge for this church this this summer. You know, in the summer, kids aren't in school. Uh, we have a, sometimes a little more flexibility. And listen, I know we can have a million excuses why we don't have time to have people over. I get that, but most of them honestly aren't legit. We're scared or whatever. Don't listen. You don't have to have 18 people over. Have, have like one person. Have. A couple lives, lives next door. But, I, but I, I just want to invite you, th- this summer, let's be like Jesus. Let's, let's eat with people. It's so interesting that Jesus got, got the nickname, glutton. That was actually, they, they called him glutton. They called him drunkard. Why? Because he sat down and had meals with Sinners. I'm, listen, if you're like, I don't know if I can start. Dude, start with somebody that's in your row. Like, let's just start there. But if you want to be like Jesus, there are three things I want to leave you with. Number one, number one, notice sinners. Notice them. Dude, everybody would have missed Zacchaeus. I, like I said earlier, and maybe they'd acknowledge that there's a guy in a tree, but outside of that, they would not have stopped because they're ticked that Jesus stopped. It begins by noticing sinners. We get all fired up about sin. We notice sin, and we get mad about sin. But can I tell you that, well, I do think that there should be a righteous indignation about the, about the injustice that we see, and, and we should be for our city in terms of morality and all that sort of thing. We, we shouldn't just notice the sin. We should also notice the sinner, but Jesus took it a step further. It's not just that we notice the sinner. I would challenge us to befriend the sinner. Befriend the sinner. There's a, there's a lady in our church a few years ago. She found out their neighbor, who she, she had invited to church in the past. He wouldn't have anything to do with God. Like, dude, I don't want your God. But he lost, he lost his wife to cancer. When she heard the news, man, it just, man, it, her heart was broken she began to pray for him and she she asked god god what can i do she said she felt like god told her i want you to bake him some cookies and this lady she is not on our pastoral team she doesn't lead a ministry team she is just another she's just an ordinary follower of jesus christ that loves jesus and loves people she baked a plate of cookies took him over to his, his house And she said, I just want you to know we're praying for you. She didn't preach to him. She gave him a plate of cookies. A few days later, she took over a casserole. I'm going to tell you what. Casserole will get to a guy's heart. I'm going to tell you right now. (laughs) And for the next two weeks, three weeks, she fed this guy. They ended up having him over to their house. And in the time together, they just answered questions that came up naturally. And finally he's like, hey, I'm I'm curious about your church. You think I could go there? Yeah. Long story short, the neighbor gave his heart to Jesus Christ, it changed his life. And it started with just a simple thing of, not just, oh, they're terrible, terrible people. Those people in the neighborhood, you won't stay away from them. No, they just, notice sinners. Befriended sinners, but then, the the last thing, the last part of this, you want to be become like Jesus is. She remembered her calling, and that's what we're to do. We're called to point people to Jesus, and it's not like in this fake weird. Let me get you in my, you know, let me get you in the house and and pin you down and you can't leave and it's like and make it super awkward. No, like there's enough awkwardness. I, no, I'm just talking about. Living it. And listen, I do believe the gospel can be lived, but the gospel becomes the gospel of good news when it's spoken. And it's when we actually share. and, and, And like Peter says, you know, when questioned for the hope that is within you, respond and give an answer. Answer them with grace and respect. There's something powerful that takes place when the people of God embrace the whole commandment they love God with everything they have. And they love the neighbor as herself. Church, what if? What if we would do this? I'm not here. I, like you, you know your neighborhoods. You know your. You know the people that that live by you. What what difference would it make in a neighborhood if neighbors actually ate together? If there was a godly presence in a neighborhood, how could that change a neighborhood? It's so interesting how we can, we can bemoan the state of affairs in this nation and talk about how somebody's gotta do something about this, but we struggle even in open our doors to love on somebody that's right next door. What we wish we could do for everyone, let's just do for a person. What do you think I could do? Listen, listen. How do I get to Jesus? I leave my dignity behind. I get past the crowd. I accept Christ's invitation, how to become like Jesus. I know to sinners, befriend sinners, and I remember my calling. Guys, we're gonna learn a lot over the next few weeks about what Jesus teaches over a meal. And if Jesus, if Jesus would do this and, and, and Jesus would use this, why couldn't we? And so God, I'm praying that as we leave here today, that we would understand that you've, been, you've given us an incredible opportunity, an opportunity that's so much bigger than, than what we, I think, even realize we get caught up in, in making sure that you know we can't have anybody over unless the house is perfectly clean, unless you know the dinner is perfect and all that sort of thing. Where, where people don't need clean houses and they don't need perfect meals, they need community. And they need to interact a person that's been transformed by your grace to extend that grace to somebody else. And God, I'm just praying that you would begin to do a work in your people. And Father, that you would that you would stir and, and, and bring to bring to to flame this spiritual gift of hospitality. But Lord, I also want to pray for the person or persons, I don't know who's here, that maybe has wrestled with this whole thing of coming to you. I'm praying that if they've, if they've just been around the things, instead of, of settling for, for being close to you or, or uh, kind of you know, having a relationship only from a distance, Lord, that they would respond to your gracious invitation so God, for what you're continuing to do in this group of people and for how you're gonna transform us, we thank you for this. And I pray this in the powerful name of Christ and all God's people said? Amen. Man, it's so good to have you guys here. Don't forget, I'll hang out here, answer as many questions as I can, but at 5.30 tonight, Dream Team Celebration, we're gonna have some fun and then graduates, stop by the table, pick up your gift. You're dismissed. We'll see you next Sunday.